Uh, well, ask me some questions and then I'll come back to other stuff. But so when you, you said you landed in New York when you first came, did you yeah. get to actually experience New no. City at all? No. no. Okay. no so this no. trip was, was the first. Yeah, it was in an airport in and out. Yeah. Was New York something you had more of a concept of than like Boston-style America? You know what? The whole America in my mind was in New York. Yeah. I don't know why, but everything was like big buildings and, you know, huge stores and a lot of people. So when I saw Lynn, I'm like, this is not New York. Yeah. That's not how America looks. But that's how it was in my mind. Uh, you come from very close society where you really don't know anything beyond that and you don't have anything more than that like you know how I'm making like little toys yeah mm -hmm. I always wanted to have soldiers couldn't buy them all the soldiers that could go buy in a toy store they were boring not interesting and it's like slap and next yeah. it didn't have any color nothing to it I wanted, you know, knights. I wanted horses. I wanted some dogs. I wanted something interesting. So I started making them myself. Yeah. And that's how I learned to do it because we didn't have it. All my cars were broken, okay? Put it back together and I would make big wings on this, just like American cars yeah. on the back, <laughs> um, just to make it a little bit different compared to what you had there so when we got to United States and obviously you don't have much money so you go from you know building 19 uh, you go to like the cheapest 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 stores that you can find yeah. and a lot of yard sales yeah and all of a sudden on yard sale you see stuff that you always wanted you know little soldiers yeah. little cars iron cars mm. You know, and you just buying it. You buy it because it's pennies. Yeah. And you always want it. And I had like the whole shelf full of all those toys that I always wanted and never had. Uh, the same thing with records. You know, you go, go, go. Bee Gees. Oh my God, Bee Gees. This is the thing. <laughs> That's what I want. Um, and you would just have it just for having it. You may not listen. You may not play it. But just ability to have it, that's so good. Because it fills the void that you always had it yeah. in you. Uh, dating was interesting, too. You know, after a little while, you're independent. You already moved out from the uh, apartment in the attic. You're with a roommate. You kind of, you're driving. You have a job. I already got a job in a dental lab. So time to, to date. How, how, how long how long was that between showing up and then living in your own with a roommate? Probably two years. Two years. Okay. All right. So now you're looking at dating. Mm -hmm. So you're like 26? I was 24. Yeah, 26. Mm -hmm. So first of all, dating is the best way to learn language. I have to tell you. It's great. So second thing, it's kind of an eye-opener for you. Because I was growing up in a society where... Woman is across a table of you, and she stand up. You stand up as well. When you both go out and it's time to sit down, you offer her a table. When you walk into the room and there is a door, you open the door and let the lady uh, first. That's how I grew up. That's how I was dating. That's how it was. So uh, I'm with the lady on a date. Okay? And we're going to the restaurant somewhere in Cambridge, I don't remember. And I open the door for her, and she looks very strange for me already. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that's okay, All right? So we're coming to the table, and I'm offering a chair for her. And she said, I'm not a handicap. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was taken back because, no, it's not, it's just, that's how, that's what you do. do. You weren't even thinking of trying to do something nice, it was just automatic. This is um, the way Absolutely, it is. Yeah. that's how it is. That's what you do. I mean, that's not a completely foreign concept here, but it's like the pajamas out in public, like, you know, like certain people have grown to the point where they don't find that important, like, you mm -hmm. know, or not been 
feel like I'm being targeted right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then, for example, conversation. Okay? Like, she would ask you, like, what do you watch? What do you like? What do you read? What do you do? And they look at you with the big eyes when you say that your favorite thing on TV to watch is Swiss Company. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> well, because this is the only one you can understand. Yeah. It's very simple, and there's like it's simple there's plot yeah. points that they're going to hit. Every Absolutely, episode. and the girl jumping all the time—that's even, <laughs> even better. But when they tell you, you know, why? Like you wouldn't watch Cheers? No. Because they're sitting around the bar and talking, you don't have a slightest idea anything about it. Mm-hmm. You don't know. It goes right over your head. Or taxi, great thing. Everybody allow it. Not me. Yeah. Why? Because it's all in the same place and nothing going on. Too many conversations that goes right over your head. So, what do you like? Benny Hill. Yep. No! <laughs> Benny Hill. Why? <laughs> so... What you watch is what you can understand, what you can relate to. Mm-hmm. And me being, you know, I love physicality, so this is fitting me. But for a dating, it's terrible. Because they think you're like a freaking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, sounds like you're dating the hoity-toity Cambridge girl there. Did, like, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, so that was kind of fun. What else? Um... Another thing about language. Language is very functional for you. Like, if you're a foreigner, it has to serve a purpose. I did this. I went there. I want this. It's functioning. As soon as it becomes humor, it goes right over your head. Mm. Hmm. Because you translate it, and it doesn't make any sense to you. Somebody make a joke, and it's not functional. It's, it's not just literal. It's there's context. To there's a context, and that goes over your head. It has to be very simple and very concrete. Yeah, because humor is very much based on idiom. Absolutely, yeah. mm-hmm. and that goes over your head. So when I start laughing at the jokes, I start saying to myself, "Okay, now I am. Now you get it. Now I get it. Now I'm feeling comfortable to be." in that society to be with those people when I can make a joke it's even better (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but just simple understanding of it was very hard another thing is a lot of humor really hard to translate so Mm -hmm. if you don't understand at that moment and it takes you translation to understand while you're translating it's not funny anymore Mm -hmm. um it lost in translation or just the timing is gone, whatever it is. So, understand humor was a major thing for me. Um, my brother still doesn't, doesn't understand humor. Really? Even all these years later? Even all those years later. You see, all of us, we went different way to adapt here. Yeah. He has a wife who is Russian, Mm-hmm. So inside the family, they speak Russian. And he has a, he's had a partner the whole time. All the time. Doing it. That's right. So he would go to work, speak English, come back home, and it's gone. That part mm-hmm. is gone. My mom, the only time she would go and speak English when she would go to the doctors, basically. Yeah. You know, or somebody has to translate her. My dad, he couldn't understand much uh, English. No, he couldn't speak much English, but he could understand more. Mm. Yeah. And he was very much optimist. So everything is good. No matter, even if it sucks, yeah. it's still good. He would be uh, there. So some people, they would accept all of it, like me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some people would accept half of it, which was my brother. And some accept very little, like would be my parents. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this is like three different levels of adapting t- to the new life. Um, but I have to tell you, looking back, it never occurred to me be- 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 before. Uh, 
but looking back even at our family like in the 1890 okay my grand grandfather was in the ukraine had a meal nine kids by 1920 all nine kids moved to russia hmm. because there was nothing to eat yeah anymore revolution already happened Jews in the Ukraine were not, not really welcome. <laughs> yeah, so they moved. So this is already one generation from Ukraine to Russia. Okay? They settled down in a, and they worked on the factories, on the fac on the fabrics, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um doing some industrial stuff, no more mill, no more agriculture, mm-hmm. okay? So they settled, they changed their names. from Yiddish to Russian names. Okay? So somebody was Paris, now it's Peter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they changed it. They adapted themselves. Their kids, which is my mom's generation, mm-hmm. moved again yeah. to United States. So they just been Okay? So each generation is just moving away and each generation basically adapting fully to the new life. Mm-hmm. So When I'm looking back who was successful people who left behind them everything and just opened themselves up for you. Mm-hmm. So I think unconsciously that's what I was doing. Even so that only now I realizing that's what actually happened. Mm-hmm. My dad, you know, he left Poland uh he was probably 15. Mm-hmm. No language, no papers, no you know any special skills he was painting houses basically that's all what he was doing and he arrived and you know he spoke yiddish and polish his wife speaks yiddish and russian because my mom she was from moscow yeah mm-hmm. his kids which is us we don't speak any yiddish we speak only russian mm-hmm. you, you see how it is yeah. my kids mm-hmm. are the same You know, they don't speak any Russian. They speak only English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're all adapting, we're all assimilating to the new environment and that's the most successful people. Because whoever was holding back or was somewhere in between, yes, maybe they hold something that we didn't, which our heritage, but as far as being successful in life, they weren't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to let, like let go of all that past stuff. Yes, and move forward. In fact, a lot of people after 1991 um when Soviet Union gone. Mm-hmm. And now they could live with their passports, with their possessions, with their monies. A lot of those people's people not as successful as us. Why? Because they can always come back. Yeah. Mm. So they're not ready to take as much misery as we used to. Because you thought you had no choice, or you did have no there, choice. There was no choice. You burned burn, the bridge. Burn yeah. all the bridges, and for them, it's not the witches. They <laughs> they can That's come back, and they're going back and forth, back and forth, and they're not succeeding there. They're not succeeding here. Then between two worlds, and they just got lost. A lot of people succeeded, yeah, but we didn't have the choice at all. Well, that's one of the reasons when my. My dad's parents wouldn't let the kids speak Portuguese outside of the house because of the same thing. I was like, no, mm-hmm. this is you, that's not useful for you here. Mm-hmm. You speak English outside the house. Like, But this is a decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? It has to be active decision. Did you actively make that decision to Yeah. That? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um and I have to tell you that the more you're adapting here, the harder it is to become to deal with whatever is Russia is. Okay. <laughs> After what? More than 30 years here. Okay? I went to Russian uh, consulate. Yes. I, I told you this you story. You did tell me this story. Yeah. This is amazing. I love the story. Did I tell you the yeah. story too? All right. It's my second favorite right. Vlad story. Number one is the prostitute of Paris. <laughs> But right. you didn't see it. No, I didn't see it. <laughs> I enjoyed the wine quit drinking story. <laughs> I haven't heard this one. All right. So my wife 
wants to get dull, uh, double uh, citizenship, citizenship yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Portuguese and uh, American. Mm-hmm. So for that, I needed some, as her husband, some uh, documents, which is, uh, what do you call that I was born? Birth certificate. Yeah, birth certificate. So my wife got in touch with a uh, Russian um, the embassy? embassy and said, my husband was born in Russia. He would like to have a document. What do we need for it? They sent her all the stuff that we need. We filled it up. It come back. No, it's not the way it's done. All right. So please correct it. You correct it and we'll figure it out. All right. So we try to figure it out, send it back, come back to us again. It's not right. We correct it again. So finally it got accepted. We paid the money. We have to wait. Six months later, please come over here to the embassy, to the consulate, which is in New York, and you can pick up your document. All right. I popped on a train, went there. Big building. Now, the door, right in front of the door, there's a fence. Fence is so close to the building, only one person can fit. (laughs) Okay? So, all the people have to be along the fence next to the building, Mm -hmm. one at the time. Mm -hmm. They go upstairs, on the top of the stairs, there's a guy in leather. (laughs) Of course, why will I? Yeah, of course. All right. (laughs) Does everybody have letters? So, everybody like, yep, here's a letter. If you don't have a letter, you're not allowed to get in. You understand? Yes, sir. Does anybody have appointment? Yes, we do. I'm like, I don't. Why you don't have appointment? It said show up at any time. All right, you have a letter? I have a letter. Wait. <laughs> so he opens the door and he said, four people in, the rest, wait. I'm serious, it's a New York freaking city. <laughs> so four people walk in, he walks behind them, close the door. Everybody else still waiting outside. But five minutes passing by, he shows up again, opens the door. Four more, get in. So this is me already. I walk in. There's a long, long hallway. Okay. He closed the door behind us. Lock the door behind us. Not just close, lock it. He goes all the front. There's a metal detector. He's like, all right. If you have anything electronics, put it right there. There's like a little... Uh, like locker? Locker, yes. So I put all the electronic stuff there. I don't have much. <laughs> put, put there, take the key, said, all right, go through the detector. I go through the detector. He's like, show me your letter. I show the letter. He's like, all right, this is the window number seven. You go to the window number seven. Like, Fine. I go into the room. I see three, four, one, seven in the corner. I go right straight to, to the window, sit down in front of the window. There's a lady on another side. There's a bulletproof glass. Mm-hmm. Under the glass, there's a small opening where you put the documents under, mm-hmm. okay? And there's a little speaker that you speak to. Mm-hmm. I go there, I give the documents, and I'm looking at the lady. She looks at me and saying, what number? I don't have a number. Why you don't have a number? The guy in the front told me that I have to come over to seven. You, ca- I can't see you without the number. <laughs> I said, well, I'm here already. Go get the number. I said, where am I getting the number? Right there in the corner. All right. So I go back. <laughs> Look. There's no numbers. <laughs> There's nothing. I go to the guy. Listen, she told me to get the number. Oh, yeah, here it is. So he gives me a number. I go to the number, go right back. This is my number. It's like, you know, number 10. I don't remember the number. <laughs> okay. This is number 10. She said, it's not the order. Go back. Like, All right. <laughs> so I sit in the corner waiting. There's some other people. They go to one window, another window, third window. There's a family. Man, woman, and a little, little kid. 
And man in Russian explains that he wants to go back to Russia, okay, because the kid was born here, so he needs some papers for the kid, because he's a Russian citizen, he wants to go back. So the girl is telling him that, no, it's not going to happen without picture. We have to have a picture of the kid. Do you have a picture of the kid? No, I don't have a picture of the kid. All right, go to the next room. We're going to make a picture of the kid. Another room is opening. Little kid who is like three years old. Okay? And kid is like, yeah, 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 all over the place, jumping, talking. So the woman, thank you. Stop moving! Look at the camera! <laughs> kid could kill us. So father, like, please, please, look right there, look right there. Smile, smile, smile. Kid doesn't have it. So finally, woman stopped yelling at, at the kid. She was like, click! You know, what flush, what whatever it is. They come out, go back to, to that room. I'm still waiting for my number 10. So uh, they come out, go to, to, to the same window. The picture is already done. He gives the picture. She looks at the picture. That's a terrible picture. <laughs> <laughs> He said, well, that's the only one that we have. What do you want from me? I don't think they'll let you in a country with that picture. She doesn't even look like, like yourself. He said, well, if they don't let us in the country, we turn around and we leave. Okay, like, give me some things. So, all of a sudden, in a speaker, I hear, what? We look at each other, we scan up other people. You don't understand what they're saying because the quality of the speaker is so terrible. Yeah. And again, everybody's sitting because... Nobody knows. So another door opens. Very angry lady comes up. Number eight. Where's number eight? I'm number eight. How come you're not showing up? Because I don't know what it is. I called two times number eight. I don't know what you say because there's a big speaker. Get right there. All right. So he gets there. There's a, a, a conversation. So. Yeah, nobody's. <laughs> lady comes out. Number 10. Who's number 10? I'm number 10. Do you have appointment? No, I don't have appointment. So why are you here? Because in the letter it said that I can show up at any time. Did you call ahead of time? Yes, I called ahead of time. Why are you here? Because I need the certificate that I was born. All right. What is the name? Tannenbaum. I'll be right back. Sit here. She's gone. Five minutes later, she pops out. We don't have your gift certificate. What do you mean you don't have my certificate? You told me to come in yeah. because you have my gift uh, my certificate. certificate. Yes. It's a gift certificate. Yeah, yeah. That's How come? Uh, well, we don't have anybody with the name Markovich. I don't have the... It's not my name. My middle name is Markovich. My name is Tenenbaum. Yes? Yeah, I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> She's disappearing again. In middle, in meantime, I'm watching what else is going on. So, she comes out again. Okay. I found it. All right. She has a big book. She goes through the book. Sign here. I sign here. She goes again. Sign here. Sign here. Can I have your passport? Yes. She looks back. I'll be right back. She goes back. Another five minutes coming by, she comes out with a piece of paper. This is your certificate. Sign here. All right. See you. Goodbye. I'm happy. Fine. Great. Wonderful. I got whatever it is. I have my passport. I turn it around, go through the metal detector, take my electronic stuff. I want to get out outside. I can't because everything is locked. Yeah. Guy is saying, wait for me. I'll open later on. All right. So I'm waiting for him. He comes out. Everything is good. Everything is good. You did what you had to do. I did what you had to do. All right. Bye. Bye. He opens the door. Now, if you remember, I went through the stairs to go up next to the building. Yeah. Okay. So I'm expecting that I'm getting out and I go right. No, 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 no. On the right, there's another uh, the gate. Yeah. I can't take right. I can go only straight. <laughs> So it's only one one rotation. I got out. I'm walking around, going back to the uh, train station. Happy, calling my wife. I said, my wife, I got everything. So wonderful. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Popped in a train, from the train in the car, come back home, look at the certificate. And the certificate said, 
Vlad Tenenbaum was born. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no date, no anything. Just was no born. No date, <laughs> nothing. It's absolutely useless. So it's not a birth certificate, it's a birth confirmation. Yes, yes. yes. I was born. Yes, you Thank right. you very much. Oh my God. Glad so, you cleared that up. Barely yes. a seat. So, my wife is yelling at me like there's no tomorrow. You couldn't check it there. I'm like, dear, I was so happy to get out from there. <laughs> like, thank you, God. So, she's getting in touch with them again about that we need exactly where he was born. And, and they're like, no, we can't really tell you because it's a different country now. Everything has changed. Mm-hmm. So, you have to go to the country and do it there. So, that's the end of that story. Man. Wow. So, in the moments like this, you really... You appreciate how not yes. Russian you really are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did yes. that did that experience make you feel like you were kind of thrown back into something you hadn't thought about in decades? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. You don't know how many times my brother and I were saying to each other, "Man, we're so lucky we're here. We don't have to deal with this crap anymore." Mm-hmm. It's a and you would think the bureaucracy back here it's nothing compared to what is there. It's like a whisper of what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing like that. Um, it's a shock of life to go there. Like, oh, I know. I'm going to tell you certain facts, and you'll tell me if it could be true or not. Ooh, oh, I like right. this game. It's a game show now. Yeah. Jim, you got to put like a game show sound sound effect. Oh, uh, hold on. <laughs> Add that later. Put a star. <laughs> put that in your notes. I'll put it in post. Mm-hmm. All right. Um... Is it true or not that in order to watch TV, you need an aquarium? <laughs> you need an aquarium? Yes. Not true. Not true. True. All right. Now I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Our first TVs in Ruski Land, the screen was oh. very, very, very small. Oh, as so, a magnifier. That's right. Oh, so that's in good. order to watch the TV, you had to put a big magnifier lens in front of it. But if it's solid glass, it's too heavy. Yeah. So they made an aquarium which was in the shape of the lens. You filled up with water and you sit straight in front of the TV. Uh-huh. And then it's kind of okay. Now, oh. if you a little bit to the side, everything is so up to the oh <laughs> That's that is so funny. Alright, let's do another one. Alright, so I've, I've lost. Okay, lost. so I'm, I'm zero. Well, you already know the answer. So. I knew the answer to that, so I wasn't chiming in. So. I'm up for O2, so yeah. yeah. Alright, here's another one. Um, there's a color TV and there's a black TV, black and white TV. Now, in order to make black and white TV color TV is counterproductive to do it because it's basically different tube. Okay. Russians come up with a way to do it. I bet that's true. Okay? I bet that's true. Now, it's true. Mm. It's true. Does it cost $5, $40, or $100? How expensive is this technology? Yes. To convert black To convert white. black and white into the color. Five dollars. A hundred dollars. Five dollars. Oh. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what it is, it's a plastic film, okay, see-through, and the top of it is blue, the middle of it is red, and the bottom of it is green. And you put it in front of the TV screen, and you watch whatever is on TV through that film. Huh. So once in a while, you have a blue sky, and a green, <laughs> <laughs> a green glass, <laughs> and something red in the middle. Something. <laughs> Very popular. Um, the calendar of seasons is different or the same in Russian? Hmm. So you mean like different winter, spring, summer, fall? Yeah. You're talking about like 
when it starts. Yeah, the first day. Oh, when they st- oh, what, like the when they start. They're different. Yeah, I would say different. They are different. Yeah. Um, I got one. Yeah. Yes. There is the board. <laughs> yes. So we have uh, three months of each. Okay, and uh, autumn starts on September first, mm-hmm. and uh, summer starts on June first. So it's everything three months. Okay. All right. Um, so it doesn't have anything to do with the equinox. No. Yeah, they detached it from that because it's a movable date, just so it can be like it's this date. It's this date. Well, it actually, kind of makes sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, you know how. Back in Ruski land, you have to stay in line in order to get food. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about in the 80s, not now. Now it's a different country altogether. So, how many lines do you have to stay in, in a supermarket, in order to get, for example, uh, bread? I'm going to say two. Okay. Just to get bread, right? Just, Just to get bread, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say three, just because I'm going to say... You got a Price is Right? I'm going to Price is Right. I'm going to go one dollar above. Three lines. All right. Three lines is correct. Boom! (laughs) Now we're tied, Jim! All right. How do you like them Soviet apples? (laughs) That tastes better. better. (laughs) Jim's lucky. Let me tell you about the lines. Do you like apples? Only Only Soviet ones. I don't know how to So your Russia apple eats you. The first line is to see if you have bread. So you stay in line and you say, I would like I didn't account for that one. Yeah, two <laughs> line to see if they one dark bread and one light bread, for example. Okay? So they put it aside from you. Then you stay in line to the register to pay for a bread. You stay in line, they'll give you, you'll give the money, they'll give you a special... Like a voucher. Voucher, okay? And then you go to the pickup line, where you give the voucher, and they give you the bread. Huh. Was there ever a situation where you'd, you'd go and you'd ask, and they're like, yeah, we have that, you go pay for it and go back, and they're like, no, we don't have that. No, you, 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 okay. you would okay. have it. that's good. You, unless it's a mistake. Yeah. But you would have it. But try to imagine that if you go to the supermarket and you have to go meet... Buy meat, mm-hmm. buy milk, buy bread, buy, you know, something sweet. Because all those departments are all different. So they have That to means you that. have to stay in each uh, line separate, then go to the register and say, I would like for this voucher, for this voucher, for this voucher, for this voucher. So you'll get your four or five vouchers, and then you stay in four or five different What is their reasoning for that? Is it just... Because you, by the time you get there, you don't know if you're going to have food. So you have to reserve your food first. Yeah. So if you needed five different things, you'd yes. end up standing in line 11 times. Because it'd be five to reserve, one to pay, and then five more to pick up. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's why it's good to go shopping with somebody. You split, oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Split like up two, the, the two, three people. Yeah. Unless you go to the specialty store, like only milk or only bread, mm-hmm. then you can get away with one line. You just mm-hmm. pick it up, pay. Pick it up, pay. Because it's only one department. Mm-hmm. But in the supermarket, oh, it's a freaking nightmare. Mm-hmm. In some markets, you have to stay in two different uh, registers because some registers wouldn't accept, you know, for meat if you do milk. Like, yeah. they would split market in two different parts. Oh, so, okay. this register on this side and this register on this side. That it wouldn't be one big line in the register. So it's a kosher Soviet supermarket. Yes. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, another thing. You know how you go to the church, okay, and you drink from the cup, you know, mm-hmm. the wine, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people stay in line and they're all drinking from the same cup, from the same cup, from the same cup. At the YMCA, right? Uh, and they would wipe the cup and give it to you so back in Ruski land they said that it's absolutely unsanitary and that's why you shouldn't go to the church because that's how disease are spreading Mm. okay in the same time and here's the question weren't they doing the same thing with something different you showed me the picture of this so like I'm going to abstain from this one (laughs) 
So, so how are they being hypocritical about that? Yes. Like sharing something? No. Like a water fountain? Very close. So they had a machine which had inside uh, one glass Mm -hmm. and two compartments. One compartment, the water goes in, and another compartment is a fountain. When you turn the glass upside down, press it, and it washes. Yeah. Okay? So... You put one cent, it's a regular ice water. You put three cents, it has a syrup, and then the ice water. Yeah. And that glass is always there. Okay? So, in the summertime, in a, a city of, you know, seven or eight million people... <laughs> it's getting used. <laughs> it's being used. Now, don't forget, don't forget that uh, drinking is very popular, like... Drinking, 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 alcohol. And obviously people would go to the store, buy like a bottle of vodka, and instead of drinking from the bottle, they needed glass. So those glasses were always gone. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange system. Yeah. It's like, because it, it seems like whoever invented that machine should have realized how quickly that cup would be gone. Yeah. Well... It's like when someone started stealing the um, the Uber bikes in Providence. Mm. And they never thought, like, someone, oh, someone just could take these bikes. Well, keep riding outside of the city. <laughs> All right, another interesting thing. You know how uh, Pravda, for example, it's a Soviet newspaper, mm-hmm. and obviously it's government-run, and everything in the newspaper is absolutely approved. Uh, approved, that's what I meant to say. Question is, can this paper become illegal? Can the state paper become like, illegal? Like, yeah. like having it, you mean? Yeah. Okay. I, I guess there's a possibility, can't it? Yeah, I would, I would say, say yeah. I would say yes. Oh. Well, I don't know. Um, what if they... So... If it's Pravda, what if they said something about the state they weren't supposed to? But it's they state can't. run. It's state, oh. it's state it's run. Perfect. So well. it's not the freedom of the press at all. Yeah, yeah. So um, if it got printed, the government had told them it was cool. Absolutely. To print it. Yeah. yeah. Everything is very patriotic. Everything is there, just like in this book. Um, suppose uh, something from a past issue gets revised. Yes. Absolutely. So they changed their own mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So my brother now again to my family, okay? The newspapers it's government run newspaper. So when you read it, it's absolutely lie after lie after lie after lie. And you know that. Yeah. It's patriotic bullshit. Is it okay? still like that now? No. No. Uh, it's a patriotic bullshit. Okay? Nobody believes in it, but that's how it is. I think it's pronounced patriotic Bolshevik, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, the way to read those newspapers, three different ways. Okay? My father read it, and he kind of read it through and figure out the line the country is going to to become. For example, if there's a lot of articles how people steal from the factories, how they, you know, making money on a black market, he's like, okay, if I'm making money on the black market, it's time to step away because that's probably where the next thing is going to happen. They're going to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he would read like the whole concept what next is going to be. Because it was government approved, you could see what the government was currently looking at. Just about, yes. yes. So he would always feel this ahead of time. That's how he read. He didn't read it for articles. He didn't read it for facts. He didn't. It was not interesting. Just like a general idea. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what the after force or probably... That's what you have to stay away. Mm. My brother, on another hand, because of his mind and because of his photographic memory, okay and ability to collect facts in his head, he always catch uh, certain papers in uh, lie. Yes. Like, that can't be. 
it's mm-hmm. impossible to happen, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, if they would make so much coal and all of a sudden the factory closed, like, it's, it's impossible. Right. You have energy to do this, okay? If they picked up so much bread, but there's no bread on the, you know, thing, that means bread was gone, like something happened to it. So he would always catch it, he would always analyze it. Mm-hmm. He especially analyzed a lot of war stuff. For example, mm-hmm. when it was a war with Israel, uh, not with Israel, Israel with Arabs, mm-hmm. and they would cut, obviously Russia was on the side of Arabs, mm-hmm. and for Arabs it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, it would be like in one day, oh yeah, the Arabs are absolutely, you know, killed everybody in Israel. Well, Israel still has two people there. Well, actually, Israel already occupied a couple of territories. <laughs> Half of Egypt yeah. belongs to Israel now. Yeah. So there's always some kind of stuff. And he would collect all of this. Look, that's what they said this, and that's what they said this. And he would cut it in papers and slide it t- t- together. And he would end up with a you know, book the sake mm-hmm. of lies. Just mm-hmm. freaking lies. So when we applied for the uh, leaving the uh, Soviet yeah. Union, mm-hmm. my dad said, "Burn it," mm, because yeah. God forbid somebody walks in and see it. It sees all, what they said. <laughs> yeah, it's all of a sudden becomes political uh-huh, and right. gone. Yeah. Now you're not just a traitor for leaving; you're also subversive. You're also yeah. dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And. Uh, he was so upset about it because it took him so many hours and days and analytics and everything uh, to put it together. But that's how his mind... And my mind, okay? Mm-hmm. I just looked at the paper, cut in little pieces and went to the bathroom. So <laughs> that's all what it was used for. Yeah. I never read it. I could never stand this BS. So it's like three different people, three different ways to read newspaper. All right. So... Collecting absolutely legal newspaper can get you in jail. All right. And something that we already touched before. Uh, why one kitchen would have five stores? It had five families. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. When we, um, when I was small, about six years old, our family got kicked out from the house where we lived and put in a temporary housing. And that's what it was. It was one big hallway and tons, 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 tons of families living there. And you walk into the uh, kitchen and there was five refrigerators and five stoves. Each one had this and one big gigantic bathroom with stoves like in the showers. Yeah. Uh, we would go there. We would live on the first floor. Uh, my dad would go to work. My brother would go to the school and it would be just me and my mom and she would do whatever she does and I would look out of the window on the back out of the window there was a big factory and every uh, lunchtime at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock whatever it was uh, workers would get out go to the local liquor store buy some uh, vodka, go under our window, drink there, and then go back to work. <laughs> so, I am, as a kid, you know, six years old, I would watch them drinking this wine, uh, this uh, liquor, and would get drunk, and then I would go back to mom, yeah. like, mom, mom, watch what I do, and I would pretend that I was drunk. It <laughs> <laughs> was like the first mind stuff that I And you still use it on stage. And I still use it on the stage. Um, and she would laugh because that, that's what I saw. One day, uh, I don't remember what it was, but I had like ear infection and I was yelling and screaming because I was in pain. And somebody called on my mom that she's hitting me. Mm. So the, the police would walk in like, what happened? It has an infection. But everybody were always in your business because you live in such a small, tight yeah. thing. And then we lived there for a year and then we moved into the house with two rooms. And my brother and I, we had one room to share and my mom 
was in another was dead in another room. In my room with my brother, we had a walk-in closet. And when I misbehaved, my brother would lock me. <laughs> Classic brother move. Yes. A lock in the closet. There a was a shelf in. there, and I would crawl on the shelf. And one night I just fell asleep, and he was doing his homework. He forgot all about it where I was. My mom come back home like, where's what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they all over like, where are you, where are you, where are you? And I'm in the closet sleeping. <laughs> So, oh God, that's funny. Just to remember this. All right. Uh, and the last thing that I have, and that comes to the language probably, um, different sounds that animals make in a Russian folklore and American. Hmm. Ah. Uh, like, for example, horse. Okay? What horse does here as a noise? Nay. Nay. Mm. The horse is the subversive one here. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, in Russia, they're the, they're the loyal worker here. They're nay. <laughs> uh, in Russia, it would be igogo. 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 I can hear it. Igogo, yeah. Okay. All right. What about... A frog. A frog. frog. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so frog. That could literally be any. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you, I was going to go kangaroo. Yeah, ribbit. I was thinking. Yeah, rib, ribbit would be. Ribbit. Yeah. Ribbit. Uh, in Russian, it would be kva, kva, kva. Kva? Kva. Kva, kva, kva. I've heard that, like, that in a lot of European like languages, the frog kind of makes a sound similar to a duck. Like, the, or um, in Puerto Rico, they go like, koki, koki. Koki, koki, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see what next could be. Um, well, cow is probably all, all the same. Moo. Moo, okay. yes. Yeah. Uh, what about chicken husband? What do you call it? Rooster. Rooster, Rooster. Rooster. yeah. Chicken husband. <laughs> chicken husband. They're actually in a polyamorous relationship. Right. <laughs> um, chicken spouse. Cock-a-doodle. And uh, in Spanish, it's like a kikariki kind of. Yeah. yeah, that's close actually. Kukariku. Kukariku. Sounds like a drink that you get at a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have uh, three kikarikus. Yeah, three kikarikus. What about chicken itself? Would be koko 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 koko. Sounds like a fast like crow. Who else is there? Uh, what about just a Russian dog? Oh, <laughs> gov 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 gov. I want to go home. Gracie, shut up! Keep stop govving. Stop govving all over the place. Gov gov gov. I can hear it. Gov 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 gov. All right, who else is there? Cat. Right, cat. Cat. Meow. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Russian pigs. Hru hru hru. I feel like we're in a Cold War era. Like, what noise does the Russian pig make? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're stepping on his communist throat. (laughs) What else we got? I feel like like we're actually just inside, like, the cover of Animal Farm right now. Like Orwell's dream. He's sitting new. He knew that there would be a podcast where... He <laughs> <laughs> was a prescient guy. That <laughs> Orwell. And sometime in the future, people will download audio to listen on. <laughs> I do have a post-animal question, if you guys yeah. have any more yeah. animals. Yeah, yeah. So you said, when we touched on it way back, that you were going to re-mention what your American pizza experience was oh, like. Oh, yes. Oh, so, yeah. to, to put a bow on everything, what was... You got to experience pizza in Italy, and then you yes. came here. What was it like? All right. So I loved pizza in Italy. Okay, moved to the United States, and I'm like, miss pizza. Really miss pizza. It's so good, so fresh. I go to the Star Market, and all of a sudden, in the frozen station. Oh no! no. I see oh, pizza. And I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. I come back home, I boil it, I read it, I put it in the oven, I bite it, and I throw it out. 
<laughs> so like, that's did, you, horrible. did you ever find a pizza that eventually like, I did? To, all right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. The, I just got like the Greek pizza, pizza, pizza yeah. next to my brother's house. Oh man, gotta go with the Greeks. Yep. But yeah, going from genuine Italian pizza to early 1980s frozen pizza. It was terrible, oh, man. Uh, that's a weird. Red Baron. Not even Red Baron, just like whatever. Elio's, maybe? Elio's. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the French bread pizza. The French bread pizza. <laughs> uh, talking about pizza, this is uh, has nothing to do with, with, with the taste. But if you remember in the 80s how terrible was Domino's pizza? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was a cardboard. That's yeah, well, it terrible. was terrible. Now... Regardless of that, in my heart, it was always a warm spot. Why? Because the Domino Pizza was the only um, industrial entity Mm -hmm. that uh, gave money to the Marcel Marcel Center. Oh, Oh, cool. Interesting. They were the only one. Because they were in Michigan, Mm -hmm. the uh, headquarters, and it was in Michigan. I could feel a little bit less bad about getting it so many times on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to point out that over the course of this trying ordeal that Vlad went through and his stories of Soviet Russia and how terrible it was, the thing that we all collectively groaned for was cardboard frozen, frozen pizza. pizza. Yep. Because <laughs> we, nice. we couldn't re- really ex- like know what he was going through in Russia, but we do know but we had experience. <laughs> all that shitty frozen pizza. And we know as the representatives of America here... <laughs> We know we know what a bad first impression is, and that's what, that's a bad first impression. Um, there's another thing which um, I discovered kind of for myself. When I moved to the United States, um, obviously I did mine. Yes. Mm-hmm. So nice. the first, uh, my close friend was uh, a guy who was a mine, Royal Sorel, and. I showed Royal like little mind pieces that I did at that time, and he liked them. And then he showed me uh, what he was doing, and we became friends. But you could notice that it was two different schools of mine, and how my school didn't fit in anything what was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, he wasn't as good, but his pieces were better fitting to what. American wanted. Mm-hmm. Mine were technically more advanced, but everybody would turn around like they could care less about what, what I do. Yeah. And for the longest time, I couldn't understand why it would be. Now, I don't know if you guys know or not, but I did like a little speech about mine and I was yep. did some research on it. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing it, it kind of I figured out what actually happened. And if you want, I'll share it with you. Because it has Mm -hmm. a lot to do with Russia. Mm -hmm. And United States. And how society affects art. If I would go in the 80s, back in the Soviet Union, on the Red Square with a lot of tourists, okay, take my hat off and start doing performance... I would be in police within three minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's impossible to do. You couldn't do it. But, in the same time, if I would go to the local community center, okay, they would offer me a free stage mm-hmm. and say, if you want to perform, here you are. So, as an actor, I wouldn't have the public that walks away, walks all around, and I would have to fight for the money I would have a, a public that would come in and watch me. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they would already expect me to be on a stage. They expect me to present them with certain things. So as a result, I could develop pieces which are stage-related, mm-hmm. light-related, music-related, space-related, you know, according to the people who are watching me, to the public which is sitting there just for that purpose. Mm-hmm. As soon as I got to United States, all those pieces become useless because I have to fight for attention. Those pieces, those people passing by, so if I do anything serious or anything visually not grabbing them or my costume doesn't take attention to myself, I'm not making any money. Yeah. 
That's why I need the white face. That's why I need the gloves. That's why I need to make fun of them. That's why I need to do all different sticky mm-hmm. stuff yeah. to survive. Okay? Yeah. And that's why all of a sudden you create those two different schools. One is made for stage as an art form and one is just surviving sticky. Give me the money. A street performer. Yeah, yeah. Give me the money. Um, because we couldn't do it. Yeah. Right. It's so we never developed because it wasn't a thing anyone ever had to think about doing. Yes. Yeah. Um, another thing. Back in Ruski land, there's a lot of things you couldn't say. Okay. So a lot of things in mind could be suggestive. <laughs> the best example is... Um, there's a story about the boy who was a hero in a, a revolution, okay? And he would save people, and he would wave his red flag from yeah. right to left, and, you know, very, very patriotic story that everybody knows. Uh, and he would die, you know, of course. Of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would play the... Uh, trumpet? Trumpet. trumpet to show everybody that whites are coming and that's why the reds were ready, but he would get killed. Now, if you remember in the uh, 60s, I think it was, when Russian uh, tanks went to Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. remember? So, the story with the red flag Okay, obviously creates a Russian story about that boy. Yeah. As soon as you change the flag and put Czechoslovakian flag on it, the same story, the same choreography becomes absolutely against the law. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just because it's symbolic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There was a guy who was a juggler. His name was Amarantov. He was terrible juggler. He could do three balls. That's about it. <laughs> now, in a circus, obviously, okay, three balls, no, it's not enough. You do five. Five is not enough. You do six. You know, seven is not enough. You're going to do ten. Yeah. Now you're going to do the same thing blindfolded. Now you're doing, you know, it's all this racing up. Yeah. It's a mastery of this. He knew his limitations, okay? He knew he couldn't do handle more than three. What he did was absolutely great. He adapted to the Soviet thinking. What he did, he took, instead of balls, he took three juggling pins, uh, pins but dressed them up as atomic bombs. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay? Oh. He put everything in the black. He put on the background like a city. Okay? He dressed himself as an imperialist. Okay? And he started bouncing, uh, juggling those three bombs. Okay? And all of a sudden, it became political. Technically, it's very simple. Mm -hmm. Okay? But all of a sudden, he became on TV, he became on news, he became the biggest star because he sold the politic message, Mm -hmm. okay? And then the way it ended, he would drop all three of them all the way high, okay? And then close himself, and that was the end. So all the darkness. So you knew what happened. That was the end. So being political all of a sudden in your art... uh, especially pro-party, mm-hmm. uh, became very, very useful. Yeah. Now, the poor guy got so, so famous that he thought that he's the best thing since sliced cheese. So he left the country and he went to the United States. Huh. And all of a sudden, it's not happening because his mastery is not there. Yeah. He can't do more. And political stuff, they could care less about this. Yeah. Okay? You have to create different pieces. And he couldn't. Stick to juggling. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> so he tried to do, nobody would go to his concert, and he got really, really low, got 
terrible, so he went back. Hmm. They accepted him back. It was after 1991. He came back to the country, and next thing you know, he jumps out of the window. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, terrible story. Uh, but when I was a little kid, I watched him on TV all the time. Yeah. So when I read about him later on, it's like the, almost like the, the art, the oppression, like brought a whole different form of art. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know what? When I'll come back to work, mm-hmm. uh, I'll send you a link to the mind piece that you probably would enjoy. Yeah. Um, do you know the story of Master and Margarita by Bulgakov? No. Okay. So what you can do, uh-huh. go to the library, mm-hmm. find the book, mm-hmm. okay? Read it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You have homework, uh, Jim. All right. Yes. Okay. I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's a... First of all, it's a wonderful book. Uh-huh. I don't know how it is in translation, but it doesn't matter. For what you're going to see, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But then the mind piece will talk to you about mm-hmm. it. And you can see the mastery of it, how beautiful it is, and how it will never be possible here. Well, yeah. The, the, yeah a, lot of, a lot of works are set in their places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Set, set in their context. It's like when we try to do improv outside. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> improv outside <laughs> is not the move. Whatever. Yeah. It's just never good. All right, guys. I'm all done. All right. All right. Incredible. That was amazing. So, um, thank you for joining us for these very special episodes of the Bit Players Bits Per Second podcast. I'm Jared. I'm Jim. I'm Tim. And I'm Vlad, and thank you very much for having me. Enjoy. Thank you.